So our scripture reading today comes to us out of the Gospel of Luke. We'll begin in uh, chapter 5, in verse 27. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. This is the word of God for the people of God today. A great and glorious week. Thanksgiving. Ready for that? Looking forward to that? Yeah, I, I don't know about you, but my family is filled with some amazing cooks, and I cannot wait for the meal. It will be incredible. I have one contribution, started doing this a couple, three years ago. I smoke a small turkey. There's the bigger turkey, but I smoke a turkey. And if you want my recipe, it is a killer. I'll give it to you out in the lobby if you give me one in return, something like that. Um, but anyway, food is kind of a big part of Thanksgiving. Isn't it? That meal is so big. And so we thought we'd start out a fun way and see kind of what the people of LaCroix do when it comes to Thanksgiving meal. So we're doing a live poll, and you can still participate uh, and, and uh, see what's there. Just if you scan right there, it'll take you to, directly to the poll, take you 10 seconds to do it. Contrary to what uh, uh, Colin said, I will preach my message, whether or not you take it or not, okay? But let's look at what the folks of LaCroix have said so far. The first one was about the kind of, uh, let's see, we're going to bring it up, and this is real-time stuff. Yeah. All right. Wow, we are really traditional folks. Look at that. 90% of our folks are going to have turkey and dressing. 8.8, non-traditional. The others are going to do Chinese. God love you. <laughs> okay. All right, that's going to keep changing. And, and as you add to it, the folks at the next service will see it. Oh, this was a tough one, huh? Stuffing is coming in number one. Wow, it's cha- green bean casserole, number two. Come on, sweet potato casserole people. Come on, come on, pick it up. You know what I love about sweet, uh, a, a sweet potato casserole? It's like getting dessert before dessert, you know? You load it with brown sugar and, and, and uh, marshmallows and cinnamon. Man, that's awesome. I'm just going to stay here until sweet potato casserole becomes number one. <laughs> Ain't going to happen. Okay, we'll go on to dessert. All right, we are definitely traditional. Pumpkin pie, folks. All right, 25% say pecan pie. We have both in our family, and I get one of each. I don't know about you. Um, Anything chocolate, a strong showing, okay? So it's fun. We love to talk food, right? I think there are over 100 uh, food, how, you know, cooking shows on TV now. I think the number's more like 150. It's crazy how many shows there are. We are foodies. We love to talk about food and the Thanksgiving meal, some very strong opinions about that uh, and what should be served and what should not be served. And, and you could say, you know, Thanksgiving is about the food, it's about, it's about football, it's about all the other traditions that go along with it. Uh, I, I think we, if, if though we really were to be honest, it's about the people sitting around the table. It's, it's our family. Those are the real treasures, and it's those memories, the people uh, who, came to, who come to those meals, that's what we have in mind when we gather 
Uh, in fact, I bet if I were, I won't have you do this, but if I had you turn to your neighbor and say, tell the most humorous example of a side dish brought to a Thanksgiving meal, I bet you would have a good one, you know? I bet you could have a good laugh about that, like Aunt Thelma's Velveeta and Spam casserole. And everybody tried to act like they liked it, you know? Uh, and then there's, there's the other emotion. In our family, um, the host, it's always hosting my sister-in-law in St. Louis, and they're always careful to pray for those who are no longer at the table with us. And it's, a, it's always a moment, you know, kind of choke up a bit. There's a beautiful thing about sitting down at that meal and seeing the faces across of that table. Um, food and eating with someone is one of life's greatest joys, really. Today, we continue our series called BLESS, and we're using an acronym, um, which I love it, Brett hates acronyms. And he's doing this one. I'm so proud of him. He's just really stepping out there. And, and, and we want to basically, how do we love our neighbors well? How do we bless the world and change the world around us? We said, begin with prayer. And then listen well. And then I get the best of all. Eat. Eat. Eating with others is so amazing, so cool. If I were to ask you, and if we were to take another poll, we're not, but if we were to take another survey here and say, what were the ways that Jesus blessed people? I suspect the most common answers would be healing, you know, heal the sick. Uh, he cast out demons. He, he raised the dead. Others might say, well, his teaching was so encouraging and so filled with hope and, and God-centered that, that his teaching was how he blessed people. I would say that, that one thing that we forget often from Jesus' ministry that people in his day would have said was one of the great ways he blessed people was that he sat down with them and ate with them. This rabbi ate with ordinary people, folks who were even on the outs, ostracized kind of people. In the first century, they believed that sharing a meal was sacramental, meaning there was something holy going on. Because you think about it, if you're eating this turkey, that same bird that nourishes you nourishes me, so that means we share something in common. Now, we look at it a little differently today, but still, if you meet someone and that relationship grows and you get to a point where you share a meal, that's kind of a special that you have someone in your home to eat. You don't just do that with everyone, anyone. It is a beautiful act of friendship and acceptance. Um, and, and Jesus, I would say that one of the greatest blessings he offered people was that he ate with them, which is why you got to love the gospel of Luke. Luke is the gospel of, of, of uh, food because there are 11 different times that Jesus has a meal with someone. And Luke records, Luke is the only one who records some of these. Like there's the meal at the home of Mary and Martha, there's the, there's the meal at the home of the Pharisee. And then on, there's that last meal, what we call the Last Supper, when Jesus tries to explain the cross and he doesn't give them a theory of atonement, he gives them a meal. Only Luke has this beautiful story of two men walking from Jerusalem to this little village called Emmaus and Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, walks among them. They don't recognize it as Jesus, and they have this conversation, and they get to the very end. It's, al it's almost night, and they're sitting down at the table, and, and he breaks bread, gives thanks, breaks bread, and they see that it's Jesus, and he disappears from their sight. 
Well, the very first meal, though, in Luke is found in the, cha- in the fifth chapter. And that's when Jesus sits down to eat with one of the, if not the most hated kind of person in his day, the tax collector, Levi, whose name is later changed to Matthew. I want us to see this because it's the strategy of Jesus that he used to love people well. Now, go to the story, and uh, let me read verses 27, 28. It says, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting in his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Make no mistake, what we're talking about in this series, this series, is people come, coming to know Jesus. The greatest blessing we can give to anyone is faith in Jesus. Do our part. There's God's part, there's our part. The greatest blessing anyone can ever receive in this world is faith in Christ. The greatest invitation that ever gets extended to a human being is come follow me. And what we're talking about in this series is how do we, how do we see more of our friends, more of our family members, more of our coworkers, classmates at school, neighbors, how do we see more of them come to know Jesus? Well, that's what we were talking about in the series, and that's what Levi does here. There's a meal, and we're talking about that, but make no mistake, the greatest thing that happens here is that Levi, of all people, this tax collector, gets invited by Jesus to follow him. Do you believe that the greatest thing that can happen to a person is that they meet Jesus? I know some of you well, and I know that's what you believe. Well, if so, how can we keep that from others? If that's the greatest thing. And if you're not quite sure of that, probably not going to be a very strong witness. But I happen to believe it's the, the best thing I could do for anybody is introduce someone to him. And um, Levi accepts. He gets up. Now, here's what's incredible. He walks away from it all. I think you could make the argument that Levi made the greatest sacrifice of all the 12 disciples in following Jesus. Let's look at verse 29 again. It says, he got up and left everything, everything. Now, he was a tax collector, which means he worked for Rome. When Levi abandoned his post that day, Rome would never take him back. Now, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew were fishermen. If this gig with this rabbi from Nazareth didn't work out, they'd go back to fishing. In fact, after the cross, that's what they do. Now, they don't know at that time that this is the Lord of heaven and earth and that he's going to die for the sins of the world. He's going to be resurrected. They don't know that. They're taking a gamble. But Levi put it all in. He left everything. Why? Because he saw through the shallows. He had what the world said you should have. Levi would have been the, one of the wealthiest people in Israel at the time. He had everything the world said. He had luxury. He had stuff. He had security, protection. And he walked away from it. That's total commitment. And this scene is so inspiring to me. And if you're a Chosen fan, you know that the, the producers of The Chosen really captured this so well. And I love this scene. And so I'm going to show it to you again. Let's look at this, the calling of Matthew or Levi. We live in the same world, Matthew. Next. Besides, what else are you going to do with a mind like yours? 
Matthew. Matthew, son of Alpheus. Yes. Follow me. Me? <laughs> yes, you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Come on. What are you doing? You want me to join you? Keep moving, street preacher. Do you have any idea what this guy has done? Do you even know him? Yes. Listen, I said to you. What are you doing? Where do you think you're going? Guys, let me go. Have you lost your mind? You have money. Quintus protects you. No Jew lives as good as you. You're gonna throw it all away. Yes. I don't get it. You didn't get it when I chose you either. But this is different. I'm not a tax collector. Get used to different. I'm glad we passed by your booth today, Matthew. Yes. Shall we? We have a celebration to prepare for. You will regret this, Matthew. What's the tablet for? I grabbed it without thinking. You can put it back. No, no, keep it. You may yet find use for it. Where are we going? A dinner party. I'm not welcome at dinner parties. Well, that's not going to be a problem tonight. You're the host. That's cool, isn't it? And verse 29 is exactly what they're uh, referencing. It says, then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with him. He's so honored by this invitation this man who was ostracized and hated by everybody around him gets invited to follow Jesus? Are you kidding me? He, for the first time, finds love and acceptance. And so he's got this dream. I'm just going to get a bunch of my tax collector buddies. I'm going to call them all together, and I'm going to get them at the table of Jesus. And maybe, maybe as they sit around this table, they'll feel the same thing I felt, and they'll say yes as I've said yes great strategy. And we're not told the exact outcome, but I have to believe that over time, well, many other tax collectors and sinners came to follow Jesus as a result. Jesus blessed people by eating with them, even the ones some would look down upon. Now, as we go on, before we go on, talk about the beauty of how we bless people by eating with them, we've got to rec recognize that there are a couple barriers. There are a couple things that prevent this. There are a couple things that get in the way. The first is a religious one, and it's mentioned in this text. In verse 30, it says here, 
But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? They're scandalized by this. Now, in their understanding of the law, um, the Pharisees and, and others in the day thought that if I associate with someone who is out of fellowship with God, that's going to defile me, and it's going to keep me from being able to participate fully in the faith community. So I, I won't do it. So they, they prided themselves in keeping a strict separation between themselves and sinners. Um, and, and so they're offended by this. How can this man call himself a rabbi and eat with Levi and eat with other tax collectors? Again, they were hated. Levi, you know, as a tax collector means he collected taxes for Rome. Now, he was even in a different class. He would be, there are are two different kinds of tax collectors. There was the one who was in charge. They would be called a tax farmer. And then there would be the rank and file tax collector workers. Well, he was a tax farmer which means Rome would put out a a bid. They'd say, you want this region? You can collect taxes, and whoever turns in the highest bid, it's yours. So he presented a bid. And let's say it was just for the sake sake of making an illustration. He says, I'm going to bid a million dollars on this region. So he pays it up front to Rome. That's the tax. And then he can go on and collect two million or three million. And if someone objects, he's got the Roman soldiers behind him. He's doing this for the enemy, the occupiers. Do you understand why he was hated? Deeply hated. And yet, and that's why the Pharisees are, are just offended. But Jesus wasn't. Jesus saw what Levi could become. They only saw what he was. Jesus saw what could happen if grace invaded his heart. His mission was not to quarantine himself His mission was recovery, search and rescue and recovery. Now, the reality is we don't have the same qualms when it comes to defilement and and religious purity, but the reality is the typical Christian, the longer they are a Christian, have less and less in common with non-Christians. And the longer we're a Christian, the longer the less likely we are able to relate to people outside of the church community. Now, that was not a problem for Jesus, but it is a problem for us. So he answers him. He says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call righteous, the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I think one of the things we think today, you know, if I hang around with that crowd, um, or I invite that person to my table, well, they're going to think I'm condoning their behavior. Do you think for a moment that Jesus condoned extortion that the tax collectors used? Do you think he condoned greed underneath it all? Do you think that he condoned betraying their, their fellow citizens? Heavens no. But that's not the issue here. It's about the person. John Ortberg said in recent uh, teaching, he said, we forgive people their sins. Um, we, we forgive people for what they do. We accept them for who they are. 
Jesus had this ability to accept a person without worrying about whether people thought he was condoning. In fact, he got accused. Jesus did get lumped in. Later, his accusers would say that Jesus was a tax collector and that he was a, he was a glutton and a drunkard because he hung around with people who had that reputation. He didn't worry about that. He was more about accepting that person. And we say, well, well but, but, but don't they, don't they, look, shouldn't they change? Well, yeah, it was, how, was, how patient was God with you and all the things that needed to change in your life? After all, at the end, it says, he's called sinners to repentance. Yeah, we're going to change. I, I'm thankful, I don't know about you, when I got called by Jesus at age 15, I'm thankful that on day one, he didn't tell me all the things had to change in my life because I'd have been so discouraged, I'd have turned around and walked away and never come back. That comes in time. You know, we catch the fish. Jesus cleans them. I don't know about you, catching fish is a whole lot more fun than cleaning them, right? We don't have to worry about that. God does that. It's not about condoning. It's about accepting the person for who they are. In fact, in Romans 15, it says, accept one another as Christ accepted you. How did he accept you? While you were still a sinner. In this, God has shown his love to us. While we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. And you know what? If you get lumped in and someone accuses you, then take that as a badge of honor because you're walking in the footsteps of Jesus. So that's the religious barrier. We got to get over that. We got to get over the fact that, that, yeah, there is a big gulf between us and the non-religious community. We love them anyway and we accept them anyway because Jesus accepted us. Well, then there's the other barrier. That's kind of from the non-religious side. We might call it the non-religious barrier. And that is, there's a lack of trust. Our culture has really um, gone backwards when it comes to trusting each other. As our countries become more divided, we trust each other less and less. And there's statistics that actually back this up. There is this barometer called the Edelman Trust Barometer. Uh, it has been measuring the level of trust in the United States and about 25 countries around the world for many, many years now. And we're at like all-time lows. Look at these recent statistics. This is about people who are different from you, okay? They're Democrat. They're Republican. They, 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 um, have, you know, they have different beliefs. They have different practices. They live differently, different moral view than you. Okay, listen to what this says now. 30%, only 30% would help that other person who's different from you if they were in a time of need. About 70% of us in America would say, I'm not going to help them. They're Democrats. They're Republicans. They're whatever. Only 20% would be willing to live in the same neighborhood. I don't want them living next to me. Only 20% would be willing to work with them. See, levels of trust are so low. And so here's what I'm saying. Here's where I'm going with that. Folks outside the walls of the church don't trust us. They don't trust Christians. That's just where it is. And so we got to accept that. And, and one of the ways we break that down is by friendship and getting to know them. But this is a reality. They're not going to accept us like they once did. When I, when I first became a Christian, um, this was the mid-70s, and we would go out, we would take some days, our, 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 our youth ministry, and we would go witnessing out at, at shopping malls. And this was kind of a common thing in the 70s. 
all right? And we had tracts, and we would hand out tracts. You remember, remember we used a tract, you know, a little bitty booklet that would tell the gospel story in it? And um, we went back in the day when Northwest Plaza was the big thing. Anyone remember in St. Louis when Northwest Plaza was like the big, I don't shop, okay, but I remember it was this big thing. All right, and so it was an outdoor mall. And one Friday night, about 15 of us went out, and we started handing out tracts and talking to people about Jesus. And I, and, and I was 17, I think, at the time, maybe 16, 16, 17. And I sat down with this group of seven junior high kids and engaged them in conversation. They didn't know me from Adam. And we had this amazing conversation, spoke for like, we, we talked for about an hour, and at the end of it, they all prayed with me to give their lives to Jesus. How, what do you think the odds of that happening today are? Like probably nil. Notice we haven't had any street preaching classes lately. You know, haven't asked any of you to go out in the street corners and hand out tracts. It's not going to work. People don't trust us. Um, I can tell you what it's more like. Uh, now, England is much more post-Christian than us. And this is where Alpha began. HTB Church, I tell the story how there, this one woman came, very skeptical, very opposed. A friend brought her there, begged her to come, and so she agreed to come, and she didn't eat the food. And she told him, I'm not eating your food. You're all crazy here. Crazy because you're Christians. She goes, I, I don't know what you put in that food. You obviously are brainwashing people. And for the first five weeks, she wouldn't eat the food at Alpha. You say, oh, that's crazy. No, that's she doesn't trust Christians. Now, England's more post-Christian than us, but friends, that's what we have out there. So how do we begin to break down those walls? Well, we begin with prayer. We'll review a little bit. Let me tell you, friends, prayer is the greatest offensive spiritual weapon we have. Let's look at this on the screen. I think, yeah, there we go. We begin with prayer. I can't tell you how many people I've seen their hearts often as I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed that they would open their hearts to Jesus. We begin with prayer, then listen. Before we ever start to talk, we simply become good at listening. Brett's message last week was so good. He's talking about the power of listening to another person. You know, the truth is most people today don't feel heard. They don't. Notice how American speech is getting faster and faster. That, that, that when someone speaks, we're almost always speaking over the end of their sentence. You ever notice that? I do it. Well, do it. Bad habit. It kind of means we're not listening. That's why most people don't feel loved, because they don't feel heard. So that's listen. And then eat. Eat with people. Um, and the great thing about this is you already have a couple hours every day built in to eat. I don't know about you, but that's kind of a priority for me. And I'm going to get my lunch, by golly. I'm going to get breakfast too, and I'm going to get my lunch, and I'm going to get dinner. I, I, whatever I do that day, I'm going to do those things. So it's already kind of built into your schedule. Have someone in your house, or if that, if that makes you uncomfortable, you don't cook, go to a restaurant. I remember for months, I, I went and ate with this guy who came to church once, told me he was an atheist. I thought it was interesting, atheist coming to church. Um, and I met with him for months when he eat. And he never had come to faith. I can't tell you this wonderful story and baptized him one day. It didn't happen. But I hope I communicated in those many lunches that um, I cared about him. And so there's something powerful about this. Maybe you saw this, this thing. Back in 2018, um, this picture went viral 
um, it, it was at a McDonald's restaurant. And this woman had gone, um, about 70 years old, and, and she was uh, eating her meal. And she noticed this other guy sitting in the restaurant. And he, too, was eating by himself. And so she thought, well, I think I'll just go over and see if I can uh, eat with him. And um, so she did, and he shook her hand, and they sat down for 45 minutes and, and had a meal together. And they had, like, hardly anything in common. But they really kind of loved talking to each other. And afterwards, they walked the car, and, and they exchanged phone numbers, and they started this friendship. Well, somebody, some stranger in the restaurant, uh, a woman by the name of uh, Amanda Kraft, took this picture, put it on Facebook, and shout out to this guy. Um, he says, he came up to this woman. I'm sorry, he says, my friends and I watched him introduce himself and shake her hand. They talked and laughed together like they were friends. They didn't know each other and they couldn't be more different, but today they shared a meal together and it touched our hearts. And that photo went viral. And several hundred thousand people saw that and hundreds of people commented. So much so that that McDonald's where it happened put this plaque up. It's there to this day uh, commemorating that moment at the community table. We all are one community and so we dedicate this table to enjoy a meal with a friend, old or new, in honor of Jan and Eric. Isn't that cool? All because a woman in her 70s went down and sat down with a guy in his 20s and just had a conversation. And that spoke to people. The power of sharing a meal can be life-changing. That's why we eat at Alpha. One of the, the greatest blessings I've seen over the years is how God uses Alpha. Because, again, you're not going to go to a, um, outside, preach on the streets, and lead seven kids to Jesus anymore. It's not going to happen like that today. But they may come to this course where you serve a good meal, and you eat together, and then you show a 20-minute video about the Christian faith, and then you let them lead the discussion. It's their agenda at that point. I have seen God break down barrier after barrier, and it begins with eating. We just finished Alpha this past, this, this, this course, and the people at our table who didn't know each other left as friends. And there's a power, friends, in sharing a meal. And one of the beautiful things I've seen are LaCroix people going to Alpha. They know Jesus, but they're bringing somebody with them and inviting them so they may grow in their faith as well. That's just one way. You want to bless the people around you. You want, to, you want to love your neighbors well. Eat with them. Accept them. Jesus practiced radical acceptance. Accept one another just as Christ accepted you. While we were still sinners. Because here's the deal, we're all sinners. Sometimes it says when, it says in, in this, these stories, when it says, the Pharisee said, you eat with sinners. Sometimes our translations, we put it in quotes. Now the quotes aren't there in the original. You know why? It's a misnomer. It's not like these really bad folks over here are sinners and the rest of us are righteous. No, we're all sinners. All of us. And all of us are invited to the table to eat with Jesus and to know him. Because they, the greatest gift in this world, human beings. The word Levi 
means join. It is great that Levi was invited to join the other disciples. And somewhere along the way, we don't know the story because the gospels don't tell us, his name gets changed to Matthew. Now, I, I have, I, my, this is just my belief. I think Jesus changed his name just like he changed Simon's name to Peter. Well, but I can't prove that. Do you know what Matthew means? Gift of God. Jesus saw him. This scoundrel of a guy that everybody hated as a gift of God. Friends, this Thursday, you're going to sit across from the table. And I don't know about you, my family, it's a mission field. It is. A lot of people in my family don't know Jesus. I'm going to sit at that table and I'm going to pray, God, give me a moment. But first, let me listen well and let me see them as a gift. Let me see him as a gift. Even the one who brought that God-awful side, let me see them as a gift. (laughs) Because they are. You've never locked eyes with anyone who doesn't matter immensely to the Father. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the people in our world, the people many of us will be eating with this Thanksgiving. God, give us eyes to see them as you see them as Matthews, as gifts of God. God, help us to be a blessing to the world. Give us the grace to accept one another just as you have accepted us, Jesus. Pray for everybody here as they go into their Thanksgiving celebrations. May they be your light. May they pray. May they listen well. And may they show your radical acceptance. Use us all as everyday missionaries. For we pray in the name of the one who came and sought us out. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, everybody. We hope you're doing great. We're so glad that you tuned in today. If you like this video, don't forget to give it a thumbs up and share it with anyone you think could benefit. We're excited about all the content we have coming up and can't wait for you to see it. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss out. If you're curious about LaCroix, or if you're looking to take the next step on your journey with Jesus, check out LaCroixChurch.org. We love you, and we hope to see you again soon.